So today, I'd like to have you turn your attention into Jeremiah chapter 33, where my text will be today. It's a very familiar text that we are familiar with, heard it preached, and I like to use it as a reference for my own life, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me something very special. It is a message, really, of hope. Um, and uh, Jeremiah the prophet, known as the weeping prophet, he had a, uh, a, a life that was lived in hard times. The season of the life that he was in was a time of judgment and the pronouncement of judgment on Israel and Judah, and in particular here in Judah. He gives a hard message for hard times. His people taken captive, carried off into Babylon, and there didn't seem to be a lot of hope. And as he was uh, proclaiming his message to the people of Israel uh, and Judah, uh, he was rejected. Uh, he didn't have, somebody said, one convert for all the time that he had. So he was known as the weeping prophet. And uh, in his imprisonment, where he was suffering for simply telling the truth, the Lord comes to him in his time of imprisonment and gives him a message. God gives him encouragement. Aren't you glad that during our times of proverbial imprisonments, our seasons of life, in life, when things are troubled, when things get hard, whether things are hard in the nation with the economy or they're hard because of different issues in our family, in our homes, uh, or in our communities, is that God will still speak a message in the season of time that we're in that will bring us encouragement and hope. Somebody say amen. How many know what I'm talking about? He had a good and a timely word. God spoke to the weeping prophet, and God invites him in this message to press in to unlimited possibilities, that God is going to tell him and share with him a message of hope in the midst of all the trouble that he was in. The word of the Lord says in Isaiah, or excuse me, in Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 1 through 3, moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. And this is the message that God gives to him. He gives him a challenge to call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And what he's simply saying here is you call to me and I'll give you the promise that I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. God has secrets God has things within his knowledge that he is willing to share with us who love him and who seek after him, even in the midst of our trouble, that he will answer us in our prayers and he will show us a reason to have hope. And God always has a reason for hope for his people. Prayer, what does prayer do when we call to the Lord is what he was saying. Pray to me, call unto me. Prayer opens the door to unlimited possibilities for us and in our situation. Somebody said that prayer is a communication process between us and God. He wants us to talk to him. It's just like making a phone call or sending a text to your best friend. It's direct communication with God. Can you imagine that? I never get over the awe and the wonder is that I, a created being, one of billions of others on the planet, have the ability to call on the name of the creator God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, that I have direct access to him in his throne room. Isn't that an awesome thing? 
Billy Graham answered the question about prayer this way, quote, Prayer is spiritual communication between man and God, a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but also listen to Him. It's like a child's conversation with his father. It is natural for a child to ask his father for the things that he needs. And I say amen to that. God is our Father. He is a good Father. Somebody say amen. Not just a song, but the song was written because of the truth that God is a good Father, and we, His children, have access to our Father at any time, day or night, whatever situation we're going through. I don't know about you, but I'm a father. I remember when my first uh, firstborn was, uh, came into this world, and it was such an incredible, awesome feeling that I'm a father, I'm a dad. I mean, I couldn't wrap my head around that. I was so excited, and the feeling of just so special. I was riding on the, on the winds, I mean, just day after day, just excited about that. And you know, uh, when number two came along, same feeling, number three, and uh, several years later, four and five comes along, and the feeling is still there because, you know what, because I'm a father, I'm a dad, I loved my children. And my children, as I shared last week in my message uh, during the, about the child dedication, uh, is that my children and my grandchildren have access to me any time, day or night. I don't care what time. I shared a story about my daughter calling from college, and she was rather distraught and depressed and going through some difficult times. And she called and asked me a question that surprised me. She said, Dad, do you still pray for me? And my heart just uh, sunk, and I thought, oh, my. And I, my, my ears opened up, my heart opened up, and she began to share some of the things she was going through, just exhaustion, fatigue from college work and projects and working on the side and all the other things. And she just going through a low time of exhaustion and tiredness. And, and she was able to share with me because I was available and my wife reminded me after service, she said, yes, there was another time that you remember she called uh, about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, of course, I'm th- I, I strategically put the phone next to my wife's side of the bed. So, uh, you know, and so she answered the phone, and I noticed she's getting up and leaving and going into another room and was out for quite a while. I went back to sleep, but I found out that she had called and just needed needed to talk to mom, needed to have a conversation, and I don't know if it went on for about an hour, and then they said goodnight and went to bed, but mom was available to her. You know, God is available to us because he's our father. You know, just like our children have access to us, I would never turn down a call from one of my children and my grandchildren, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, simply because they need to have access to me because I am their patriarch. God is our patriarch. He is our father. Somebody say amen. Isn't it good that you can call on God night or day? He's not asleep. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's always available. And we can call on him because we have access through the blood of Jesus Christ to his very throne room. You know, God issues an invitation to prayer, not just for Jeremiah, but for us. That when we don't know what's going on, when we're confused by the things in our life, that we can call on the name of the Lord who knows what's going on. He knows the past. He knows the future. He understands how we're feeling when we're going through because Christ was tempted in all manner like we. Remember that? And that uh, he, he, he was tempted without sin. Yet he experienced what we've experienced. He understands. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He understands what we're going through, and he's compassionate. 
He's compassionate towards us. He loves us. When my children or my grandchildren are going through a hard time or my son-in-law is one of my son-in-laws going through a hard time right now and my heart sinks and it causes me and motivates me to remember him in my prayers and ask God to help him during this season of time in his life where he's struggling with some things. And, and I pray for him. because I, Why? Because I love him, because I have connection with him, because he is a member of my family and we are all members of God's family when we trust him as Savior and Lord that we can call on God at any time, day or night. We can call on Him, and we have, He has compassion for us. Uh, you, know, it's, it, this message, you know, this message to Jeremiah, is, as well as this message to us, it's like a light in a dark time. It's a ray of hope in a dark tunnel of despair for Jeremiah. And the offer of unlimited possibilities to see through the darkness of the season of time that he is in or that we are in, uh, of what God has in store for those who love him, is that yes, there is going to be a future and a hope for you. That this isn't the end. This is not the last chapter of your life. That there, God has more to write on the tables of your life to journal about you. And, and as Jeremiah had that invitation, we share that invitation to miracles through the power of prayer of, of those who have faith. And like Jeremiah, God issues the invitation to see and experience the power of prayer, to show us that he is moving on our behalf. Prayer that brings, when we pray, it brings his presence into our problems, it, it, it allows God to let us know that he is with us, that he is still Emmanuel, God with us. That when we're going through trouble, he's walking right alongside with us. Whether we sense or feel that he's there or not, the fact of the matter is the word says it and the word can't be wrong. Prayer, that kind of prayer brings the comfort that God is with us. And sometimes going through hard times, we just need somebody to walk with us, somebody that we can talk to, someone that we can vent to, somebody that we can unpack the load that we're carrying, someone to help share our burdens. And Jesus invites those who are heavy laden and burdened down to cast our care on him because he cares for us. And I'll tell you, sometimes, you know, like my daughters, when she called, she's discouraged, she's down, she's tired, you know, and when she called my wife in the middle of the night, and this has happened with all other of our children as well, but it, it's, it's, it just makes them, it doesn't change their circumstances, but they feel better because they have unpacked and, un, and just able to just talk about it and unpack and have someone share their burden, to let them know that we're praying for you that brings comfort. You know, sometimes we go through trouble and it's just enough to know that God is with us, that I'm not alone, that his presence shows up in a very powerful way and in a very real way to let us know that God hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forgotten us. I was listening to a testimony sometime back at the 700 Club about a family from uh, Norway and their son uh, was born with the difficulty and they said that he writhed in pain and couldn't be comforted that mom and dad stayed up, took shifts, staying up with him just to hold him, to comfort him because he would twist and turn and scream in pain. He just couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat anything. Uh, you know, he had to give him nutrition a different way because he couldn't digest anything. And they ran test after test after test on him. And, and uh, long story short, 
they, they uh, needed to get away. They, they hadn't been on a vacation. They were tired, and they said, well, well let's go to the United States and, and go to, uh, to uh, uh, Bethel Church you know, for a conference rather than Disney World. He wouldn't enjoy Disney World because he can't, he'd get worn out, and he'd be in pain, and he wouldn't enjoy the typical vacations that a child would like. So let's just go to a Bible conference. So they went to the Bible conference, and this, this boy sitting in with his mom and dad hearing about healing. And they asked the question, does anybody here need healing? And he raised his hand. And there was a young man that was sitting near him who came up to him. And he just said, uh, you know, uh, what, what is your need? What do you need healing for? And he said, I can't eat. And I've got problems with my stomach. And this young man just laid hands on, began to pray a simple prayer. Nothing spectacular. And he prayed that God would touch his stomach and God would heal him and let him be able to eat. And then he left, and they left the conference, and they asked about the prayer, and he says, oh, he prayed that I could eat. Well, you know, they didn't think anything about it. There was nothing spectacular that had happened, but then they went to lunch, found lunch so they could eat lunch, and then run back to a, a, a later to back to the conference. And they're sitting at the table, and, and he never eats, but he, they allow him to have food on his plate to kind of push around this fork because he can't eat it, but to smell it and at least participate in the meal that way. And he asked, could I have a breadstick? So they gave him a breadstick, and and pretty soon, and usually what he does, he plays around with it, and you know, and and then they, he said, "Could I have another breadstick?" And he says, "No, you don't need another breadstick. You have one." And he says, "But I ate it." And they were stunned. He wasn't expected to live at all. In fact, that's why they were on vacation. The doctor said, "Go out, go on a vacation, make some memories to remember him when he's gone, because he's going to die." And a little bit later, he started eating some more, and he started eating some more. And they were, you know, when he ate that day, and he ate later that day, that same day, uh, he went into bed in the hotel room, and she slipped in, mom slipped in a little bit later, just to see how he was doing, to see if he's still alive, because she expected him to die. Went in there, she said his cheeks were rosy and red and healthy looking. He was sleeping like a baby should sleep. And the long story short is, he was totally healed totally healed. And many, many years later, he's sharing his testimony with his parents on the 700 Club about how God touched him and healed him, just like that. Nothing spectacular, nothing like earth-shaking happened during the prayer that they can remember except a young man came over and just prayed a simple prayer of faith. I'm telling you, God issues us a prayer, an invitation to pray to him. He says, I'll show you great mighty things. This young man didn't have a future according to medical science. And yet, when this simple prayer took place, God touched, and now he has a future and a hope. I'm telling you, God is so powerful. God is so awesome. God invites us to call upon him in any season of time of our life that he will give us help and mercy in our time. And he challenges us to pray even for our desires, not just our needs, but even our desires. James chapter 4 verse 2 says this, that you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them, yet you don't have what you ask, what you want, because you don't ask God for it. Now the next verse says that you, sometimes you ask for it and you don't get it because you want to, you want it because you want to consume it on your lust or your strong desires. But we can ask God not only for our needs, but you know, just like our children and our grandchildren, 
Uh, we, he, God will give us what we desire as well, won't he? Have anybody noticed that about God, that he's a generous God? I, I remember my friend, and I don't mind, Dennis won't mind, I'll, you know, he can't say anything, but he's my friend over here. Uh, Dennis needs friends, you know, so <laughs> he's a good friend of mine. But he was talking about his grandchildren and their son, Scott, uh, you know, always tells the, would tell the grandchildren over the years, the, you know, don't ask grandpa to buy you things. Don't ask, you know, he's trying to, you know, to protect my, uh, grandma and grandpa from, uh, from the grandchildren who always want something. And, and Dennis shares this, and this is the heart, I think, of every good grandpa, every good, it's, it's, it's I don't have a lot of devices, you know, don't go to bars, we don't, you know, go to casino, we don't, you know, let me spend my money on what gives me pleasure, okay? And, and giving things to my grandchildren and making them smile, making them happy, makes me happy. And that's in essence what Dennis said. That's my heart as well, is I want to bless my grandchildren. I want to bless them. You know, I remember a time when we had all five of our children, we'd go on vacation, we, we had to limit our spending, wasn't able to give the children everything they wanted. And, and now that I'm a grandpa, I got empty nest and I have little fuller pockets and when the grandchildren are around, I want to bless them. I want to I get things for them. I want to make them smile. See, isn't that the heart of God? That God is generous. God wants not only to meet our needs, but he also is good enough and kind enough and generous enough to give us sometimes what we want. Somebody say amen. amen. Secondly, God gives us a promise. He gives us an invitation, but he also gives a promise to those who pray. Invitation to pray, but then there's a promise. It'd be one thing, he says, oh, you can call on me, but I'm not going to answer you. You know, that'd be kind of cruel and sadistic, wouldn't it? That's not how God is. But God says, call on me, and I will answer you. I'll hear you. I'll pick up the phone. I'll open my ear. You know, I'll, I'll make myself available to you. God is there for us. And we're challenged when we call on him to pray with persistence. You know, sometimes people, and I've heard this ridiculous teaching when I was younger in the Lord many, many years ago, decades ago, is that when you pray to God, if you have faith, you only have to pray once because God remembers what you pray and you don't ever have to pray again. But, you know, what does the Bible say about that? In Matthew chapter 7, 7 and 8, it says to keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. And he goes on in verse 8, for everyone, say everyone, who asks receives. Everyone, say everyone, who seeks finds. And to everyone, say everyone, who knocks the door will be open. Jesus said to keep asking. Be persistent in your prayers. And we are challenged to pray with boldness. Hebrews 4.16. So let us, the people of God, who have access to the very throne of God to receive help and mercy in a time of need, come boldly to the, our gracious God that we may receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it the most. And sometimes I'll tell you, it seems like every crisis that I go through is the worst crisis ever. And God, I need you more than I have ever had before. Isn't that the truth? Because the crisis you're going through at the time seems worse because you're looking into it and you're walking through it instead of looking back on it. But I can tell you the older I get, I can look back on history and I can see that every problem, every season of trouble that I have ever gone through is there's one thing that there's a string that runs all the way through it and that is God's faithfulness and his presence and his power.
his access that he has opened up to me to receive help and mercy in my time of need. Somebody said the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to help the people of God pray increasingly according to the will of God. It's important we pray according to the will of God because John, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says that we are confident. Say confident. That's faith. I have strong faith to believe that he hears us whenever, whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know, say we know, we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. And so praying according to the will of God is important. Can I tell you that the closer in your relationship you get to God, the more you will understand and feel and share what pleases God and what doesn't please God, and that will motivate you in your inner man to pray according to the will of God for the things that are pleasing to God, not selfishly for things for ourselves. And God's will for us is to know Him in a personal way. And to live for him, not just showing up for church on Sunday and worshiping one day out of the week, but to worship him seven days a week, morning, noon, and night, that he is in your thoughts, he is in your heart, and he is in your prayers when you call out to him. When we pray God's will for our lives, we are setting aside what we want and desire, and we're praying according to what he desires instead. When I pray for my children and for my grandchildren, this is what I pray. I pray for the will of God to be done in their lives. Even if they don't know what it is, even if at this current time in their life they're really not receptive to that, I'm still praying for the will of God to be accomplished in them, the purposes of God to be done through them so that they can have a full and abundant life that God intended for them to have. And the only way that we're going to have the full life that God intends for us to have if we live in the sweet spot of His will, the center part of His will. And, you know, that, that means something to every single person from their perspective. And, and I can tell you one thing, I can tell you in my calling, the calling to be a pastor, the calling into ministry, is that it's important for me to be in the sweet spot, to be in the center of God's will, not just to be, as somebody says, in ministry, but to be where God wants me to be in ministry. Where do you want me to go, God? Where do you want me to be, God? To be in the center of his will. And I can tell you that even for lay people, it's important that you be in the center of God's will. I remember James Dobson on Focus on the Family many, many years ago when he was still uh, uh, running the Focus on the Family uh, program. And he said that even lay people, like himself, who's a lay person, he said, we always prayed before we had ever. We knew we were supposed to move and get into a different house. He said, we entertain a lot of people from our church, have large groups over. We needed a different place. And he says, but we never made a move until we prayed, until we heard the will of God spoken to our lives about this is the neighborhood, this is the house I want you to live in. And he said, why is that so important? And the, and the answer to that question was because your children are going to grow up in that neighborhood, and if they go to the schools there, they'll be in the schools in that neighborhood. And that neighborhood that you may desire a house in that isn't God's will may have uh, influences in that neighborhood or in that school district that your children will be waylaid by the enemy there. It's important that we hear God's will, not just in the great big things, but even the little things. Pray 
Call to him, and he'll answer you. He'll answer. He'll answer your prayers. But pray according to his will. You know, how many times have I prayed or you prayed, Lord, I pray for this in Jesus' name. And what are we praying for? Something selfish and personal. How many? Don't, yeah. It's not just me. (laughs) Come on now. I'm just saying that sometimes we pray selfishly. We, we tell God how to answer our prayers. Okay, God, um, I have a financial need, and this is how you're going to fix it. So in Jesus' name. Right? And, and not just finances, but everything. Okay, God, this is what you're going to do. And it's something that we want, and it's usually the road of less resistance for us. You know, I used to pray when I was younger. I prayed for prosperity. I said, God, I want you to prosper me. Lord, prosper me, prosper me. You know what God did? He made me kind of ticked. He gave me a lot of extra work to do that I got paid for. I had a lot of extra overtime. And, and it's like God said, I answered your prayer. You know, you wanted more money and you needed more money, so this is how I'm... You know, it's like, but God, I was expecting some... You know, I was expecting to come down from the sky on a silver platter and you're going to just give me something. You know, I think hard work builds character. And, and, and it's something you can be proud of, that, that I worked hard and God blessed me, and give God the glory for that. But, you know, sometimes we want God to just give us things. Well, you know, the worst thing that an affluent family can do, parents can do, is to give their children pretty much anything they want without having them understand the value of what that thing cost. And they grow up with this entitlement mentality. You know, why do you think, I just can't get into this, but why do you think there's so many ungrateful American young people today? Not just young, but older people, but especially the younger generation who have this spirit of entitlement who are out in the streets burning and destroying things because they don't understand that somebody worked for that and paid for it. And it's not your property. You know what I learned in kindergarten? One of the first things I learned is to respect other people's property and keep your hands to yourself. Well, we're going down a rabbit trail here, aren't we? But when we pray, we pray according to his will. And then we pray for his desires. And it's not just forcing us to do that. It's like when you're closer to God, the the more you want to pray for God's will to be done. In fact, praying the will of God in your life means to submit your life to his will. It means laying down your dreams, your desires, and your wants because you would rather see his will and purpose happen instead of your own. You know, going back to my calling, you know, back when we lived in, in uh, northern Missouri and Kansas City, Missouri, or Liberty, Missouri, on the north side of Kansas City, greater Kansas City, is when I was going into ministry and I was always in involved in ministry credentialed and from the early 90s and and uh it's like you know i want to pastor a church but this is what i want okay god this is what i want i'm not moving out of my hometown okay i'm staying right here in missouri because there's plenty of churches here that need a pastor and i'm not doing this i'm not doing this and you know what happened you know what happened nothing nothing Because that was not the will of God for my life. God had a sweet spot for me in the most unlikely location in the middle of Stanley, North Dakota, northwest North Dakota, a city boy going to a farming ranching community. Now, God has a sense of humor. But that's where God wanted me, and that was the school 
uh, of hard knocks for me to learn things that I couldn't learn any other way at that stage in my life. And God used it as a blessing in my life. Amen. And in preparation for Calvary Temple in five years later. You know, God has, you know, sometimes we wonder, God, I prayed for this, but you gave me this. Why? It's because God is trying to develop your character and to prepare you for what he has next for you. Can I, just like parents, we never gave our children everything they wanted, even though we had many times the resources to do it, because we felt like they needed to get it another way, or that wasn't the will of God for them. A good father does that. And I can tell you that God is a rich God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is wealthy. He could give us anything we want, but sometimes we pray for things that are not good for us. Somebody say amen. And so we pray for the will of God, and we pray for His will to be done, not only in our lives, but in our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives. In fact, I, I wrote this several years ago. I believe the Holy Spirit inspired, and it was on a, I believe on a Tuesday morning prayer meeting. Again, God speaks to me on Tuesday morning prayer meetings so many times. And, 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 and it's called The Purpose and the Power of Prayer. Strong, powerful, persevering, persistent intercessory prayer does more than fire the proverbial warning shot across the bow of the enemy of our souls. It fires deadly torpedoes into the hull of his ship and brings frustration and destruction to his plans and strategies arrayed against us. It unleashes the mighty power of heaven against our unseen enemies in the spiritual realm. It rattles the gates of hell and demands the release of those held bondage of sin and death. It unleashes an anointing of the Holy Spirit on the church and whole communities and nations bringing about a great awakening to our desperate need for a Savior who can bring forgiveness of sin and reprieve from judgment. The anointing brought from prayer teaches us to know right from wrong, to discern between the holy and the profane. It breaks the backbone of the cycle of generational sin and the curse of families and communities. It awakens the slumbering church to raise up and put on the full armor of God and engage the enemy and take back our homes, communities, and nations for the glory of God and His kingdom. God's power is released through prayer. God's power is released through strong, anointed prayer that is praying according to His will. Jeremiah 33, 3, the last part of that verse says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God wants to release His power into your situation. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Remember George Mueller, uh, the Christian evangelist and director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England, that he was one of the founders of the Plymouth Brethren Movement. His testimonies of God's provision in meeting desperate needs is legendary. With each financial need that his ministry was faced with, desperate financial needs, many, many times, he had a habit of praying only for exactly the amount of money needed, not less and not more. And God answered him time and time again with not above or below the amount, but the precise amount that he was asked for. 
in dollars and cents rather than pounds, uh, it, uh, English currency. If, if, if I was George Mueller and I had a need that had come to this church that it's going to take uh, $148.97 to pay a bill, pray for exactly that, and that is exactly what would come in. Sometimes in two, three, three or different disbursements from three or four different people, but it would all add up to the precise amount. This was legendary under his ministry. In fact, he refused, listen, refused to pray for anything less or anything more than what was needed. Wouldn't that be a novelty in today's evangelistic times? Amen. And so uh, it was a powerful thing. Paul prayed that we'd be empowered. Paul wanted, he wanted the, the child of God, the apostle Paul, to understand what God had in mind for them, what God wanted to release to them. And Paul said in Ephesians 4.16 that I pray from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Now this is the apostle Paul praying not just for the Ephesians, but for Calvary Churchians. God wants you to be filled with his unlimited resources to be empowered through his spirit. And verse 18, he goes on to say, it says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. In other words, Paul's saying you can't comprehend it with your finite minds because it's too deep, too big, too wide too awesome. And he says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power and power that comes from God. Uh, Ephesians 3.20, Paul said, now all glory to God who is able. Aren't you glad God's able? Able through his mighty power at work where? Within us. What does it say? His mighty power is at work within us. Why? And for what purpose? To accomplish infinitely more than we can, might ask or think, even imagine. How big is your imagination? How big can you dream? You know, we, we watched something in men's ministry yesterday. By the way, if you're not going to men's ministry, guys, you're really missing out because it's a blessing. And, but we listened to men's ministry to a podcast, a Dutch Sheets, and he talked about dreaming. Dreaming with God, you know, spending time with God and then dreaming God dreams, listening to God dream through us, sharing His dreams with us so that we can pray according to the will of God be accomplished and the glory of God and God's dreams come to pass because we're partnering with Him to bring to pass what God wants us to do. Pretty exciting thing. God wants to release His power to do great mighty things that we don't understand, that we can't comprehend. God has done that so many times in my life and my ministry. God has met needs that no human being knew that we had a need, but God knew, and God sent someone to meet the needs time and time again. I could share you testimony after testimony of how that happened. I can share that at the kitchen table, going to the post office, coming back with needs met, something in the mail that was sent four or five days before, God knew I needed something on that Monday, and he had somebody do it several days before from out of state. And that happened over and over and over again. To go home and to tell my kids sitting around their breakfast table and show them what came in the mail. Look, we prayed this morning. Look what God did to answer prayer. And their eyes get big as saucers. Listen, you want your kids to have a heritage of faith in God 
and believing God for anything and everything, share with them how God met your needs. Share with them how God moved on your behalf when you prayed. Don't keep it to yourself. Share with them what God can do and what God does for those who love him. I, I, I just know the power of God is so powerful. Faith in any size will have potential to bring about a miracle. Some people say you have to have great faith to have a miracle. Well, sometimes you just have a little faith. I read a story of a lady um, who had a mammogram that came back showing that she had a cancerous tumor. And she was going to have a, a second test uh, the day later, but she was very troubled in her spirit. She couldn't sleep that night thinking about the test. And for some reason, she said had a twin sister and her twin sister couldn't sleep that night either, very restless up walking. And she said, why don't you come and, and lay in bed with me and let's sleep? So she said they got into bed and they prayed together and prayed for one another. She said about an hour had passed and she was uh, watching. Uh, kind of in the spirit, these two little ladies walked into their room with loud messages for her sister and herself. And she said, I was between sleep and awake, and although I could not see their faces, she said, I reached out and touched their clothing, and it felt angelic, supernatural. One of the two ladies, little ladies, left the room, and the other one began to do what she said was surgery on her breast where the tumor was. She said, it hurt a little bit, so I kept pushing back on the lady. And as she sat on my back and was doing the surgery on one side of her breast, she finally finished and gave me a warm pat on the back and left. She went in the next day to have the test, and it was negative. The tumor's gone. You don't have a tumor. See, God will do exceedingly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. It's just one testimony of many. God is an awesome God. And, and it opens up unlimited possibilities when we exercise our, our right given to us as the children of God to come and have access to his very throne to receive help and mercy in a time of need. Jesus said in 1720 of Matthew, I tell you the truth that if you have faith... Even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and be there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. And I'm just telling you, there's been times in my life, and I know in yours too, is that we're going through a season of time of difficulty and trouble. And I said the other day, sometimes it's easier for me to pray for someone else to be healed than when I'm sick to pray for myself and believe God. But I'm telling you that just like the man who, the father who told Jesus concerning his son, Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes we're there. Somebody says, well, then you don't get anything. You got to have faith. No, can I tell you so many times, examples in the Bible, but also in my life, when I had very little faith, when my wife had cancer, our faith went out, went out the basement. I mean, it just dropped out of us. We had no faith. But you know what happened? The body of Christ, our friends and our loved ones in our church had faith for us. And they began to wrap their arms around us and pray for us. And they prayed for the impossible to take place that did happen, that confounded the oncologist, threw him for a loop, 
And God did a miracle because that's the kind of God we serve.